Praise God. Here we go and here we grow. Hallelujah. Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live today. What a glorious day to be alive. I have a title for today that the Lord gave me and it is Made for Better Life. We are made for better life. Uh, and I was, God was kind of shaping this message within my consciousness. Of course, what came to me that we now have a better covenant based on better promises. And, and so we're made for this better life, which is truly the divine life. The better life is the life of Christ. It's not our own personal life. It's the life that we now live that is his life being lived out in us. And, um, and what I thought as I was meditating that, that we are called to a better life, a higher life, the life of Christ is, is when marriage covenant and, uh, how we say for better or for worse. Well, in Christ, there's not for worse. It's all for better. It's not for better or for worse. And of course, the intent being there that through thick and thin, we're going to make, we will, we will endure to the end. We'll finish strong. I'd like to think that's the concept of that wedding vow. But, but truly in Christ, it's not for the worse. It's only for better. So the life that we have now in Christ is for better. And I want to start with the verse that we, we had, uh, pondered on uh, going back a few months. I believe it was when I started talking about being raised up to faith. And it's from Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Paul writing to Titus, one of his faithful sons, he writes, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word, through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. That in hope of eternal life, God preached a message. And that this eternal life that God promised to us is an assurance because God cannot lie. And so we have an assurance that that which God has promised to us, he will not withhold from us. And this truly is the message, is in chapter 2, same book, Titus, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation, the grace of God, which we can say the work of God that we did not have to do, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope. And here Paul writes what we just read in 1-2, in hope of eternal life, looking for this blessed hope. In the messages we preach on Raise Up to, to Faith, we talked about laying hold of hope, that uh, laying hold of faith. And so when he says that we are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's also to do with laying hold of that which he has already granted to us. It's, it's laying hold of this divine reality that we can now have this eternal life so that we can live a life that is pleasing to him. Verse 14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And those, of course, are faith works. 
So when we recognize that now in Christ we have been granted this promise, we, we, we are given now this divine life, then what this divine life is doing as we are laying hold of this divine life, it's purifying us and it's purging us from every lawless deed. It's every act of disobedience. And really that's to do with our mindsets. It's every unruly thought that wants to take us, to scatter us off the focus that we now have in Christ. And as we lay hold and we maintain the focus on this divine life, then we can walk out this faith life and this walk is a perfecting walk that is purifying us for God. I wanted to look at the Passion Translation, these very verses I just read. If we go back to one, two, actually, uh, let's start just a little bit before that, tail end of one, one. I'm writing you to, fur to further the fate of God's chosen ones and lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, which rests on the hope of eternal life. So when leads them to the full knowledge of the truth that, that guides us into godliness, which rests on the hope. And so we can't walk out godliness without resting our hope on eternal life. That that which we believe in, that which we bank on, that which we are fully persuaded on, that is really what godliness comes from. So godliness is based on a persuasion that brings forth a walk out rather than going back to what we spoke uh, last week on justification, that love has justified us. And so when I recognize that I'm now made righteous because of a finished work, I'm made righteous because of the precious blood of Christ, that now when I believe that completed work, I am being transformed into the image of the Son, which is now producing a glorious walk on earth. If we go to the Passion Translation in what we read in chapter 2, 14, if we go 13, the Passion Translation 2.13, for we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. This is it. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed. See, we're called to a better life. We're called to a better life. We've been freed from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. And so this perfecting walk, this faith walk that we're called into, that we are laying a hold of, that our hope is solely based on this eternal life, is allowing us to be passionate to do what is beautiful in his sight. So we can live a beautiful life. Because there's nothing more beautiful than, than what God calls beautiful. So the works that we're called to do here, that in the New King James, uh, it says that we're now his own people, zealous for good works. Those are the, the, the work there is ergon. It's, it's a work that's being done and being moved out from the inside out. So that is what God calls beautiful. So everything born of faith is pleasing to God. 
So we call to a better life. We call to a beautiful life. So from here, we can go to Hebrews. It's really where my title came from. Hebrews chapter 11, the tail end of 11. We might have read this passage of scripture before. It, is, it always stirs me up. And so here we go. It's on the lengthier side, but that's okay. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. And here we're going to, we know that Hebrews 11 is the, the faith chapter. It's the chapter of the faith heroes. And so we are called to these very works. We are called, why, why would I come back to Hebrews 11? Because this is our portion. Hebrews 11 is now who we are in Christ. We are, we are of those that please God. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for, and this is our life. And the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. So the better life is having a good testimony with God. There's nothing better than having a good testimony with God. And so what brings forth a good testimony with God? What God calls a beautiful life? What God calls a beautiful work in His sight is the one that trusts him to walk out this salvation, is the one that trusts him to walk out this divine, eternal life that we now have in Christ. And so, so going back with that background to verse 32 in Hebrews 11, and what more shall I say of the time, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. That's the better life, to be able to subdue. And in Christ now, through the divine love of God, because we're born of God, we have overcome all. And so we now, through by faith, subdue kingdoms. These works righteousness, and of course, we spoke of these works of righteousness last week, that how does one work righteousness is when they believe they've been made right with the Father through the blood of Christ. And so in Christ, we're equipped to do these righteous works. Obtain promises, obtain promises. Well, Titus, Paul writes to Titus in chapter 1 and 2 that, what is this? The promise obtains this divine life that we now heirs with Christ and co-heirs with him to walk out this divine life that now this life that I live is his life. And that's the ultimate promise that I can obtain. There's no better life than the life that is persuaded by this, that I have obtained the promise of God. That I now have become the promise of God. They're no longer longing for the promise to be fulfilled, but I'm the ultimate fulfillment of the promise of God. How? Because I'm born from above and this birth from above, this birth from above has brought forth a divine reality that is telling me I'm being conformed to his image and that who he is, that now I am who he is here on earth. And so there's no higher promise to walk out that we now recognize, I have it. I am made in his image. I am made in his likeness. And every day I resemble him more. Every moment through this divine transformation, by the renewing of mind, I'm putting on, I'm clothing on this promise of this Christ life. Isn't that amazing? 
So we're not just mere humans barely making it. Trying to run a course on carnal strength and some sort of worldly morality. <laughs> if I can check this box and check that box uh, and just, just make it through the day. And I'll, I'll think about tomorrow. But no, in Christ now we have obtained the promises of God. Look at, look at the next faith work that, that, that was accounted to these giants of faith. They stopped the mounts of lions. Well, we know Satan is like a roaring lion looking whom he may devour. He can't devour you. His mouth's been shut. <laughs> His mouth's been shut. Christ went and made a mockery, triumphed over him, made a spectacle, disarmed, disrobed, uh, removed every name that Adam had granted to him, every ability to name. That dominion power. Now in Christ we have it. And we shut the lions, the, 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 the roars of these false accusations that we don't have it that we're not good enough, that we still have to earn a little bit more with God, that we still have to obtain one more thing in order to qualify for this divine life. Verse 34, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, because Christ is the captain of our salvation. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. And then he talks about the, the martyrs that were tortured. And they did not accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of, mo of mockings and, and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown into my works of faith. He's qualifying them as works of faith. Because they did not count their life as dear. They did not shrink back from fulfilling the assignment of God on earth. They were not ashamed of the gospel. That's why. They were not ashamed of the gospel. They were stoned, they were sown into, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. Not worthy not worthy of one fully committed to the cause of Christ. When we're fully committed to, I think of Stephen being stoned and saying, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The world's not worthy of one like that. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, all these, this is, we're coming to most powerful verses that I have been meditating pretty much all my Christian life. And it, it, to this day, it, it, it um, overwhelms me truly. And all these, after, you know, we didn't read about Moses. We didn't read about, no, we didn't read about the other patriarchs, Jacob and Joseph. We didn't read about them. He says, all, all these, all these, all these, Abel, Cain, you know, that by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent, a better sacrifice than Cain and obtained a witness that he was righteous because of that blood sacrifice. And, and at the tail end of this chapter, the writer of Hebrews says, and all these, all these, and we know, we know that Cain was murdered. 
The world was not worthy of him, for he did not shrink back from giving his very best to God. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. You see, in Christ, all things are reconciled. In Christ, we all are fitly joined together. And so Christ came as the perfect sacrifice. He came, the word says that he came, and we read it last week, that he looked over all the sins of all so he could prove that he is the just one and the justifier of all. The book of Romans, I believe, uh, is where we read it from. That only in him, only in Christ, are all things perfected. Only in Christ do we have reconciliation with the Father. You see, those of the Old Testament, only through faith they were able to receive, receive, not even receive the word says, but receive vision to keep them fully persuaded to the very end, even though in the natural did not receive the promise. Because, for example, or with, with Abraham, you know, he, he obeyed, he obeyed God in 11, 8. By, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Heirs of the same promise. But look what it says in verse 10. For he waited for the city which, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And we now in Christ are in that city. We now in Christ have been raised together with him to a heavenly place that we have now become one with the Father. And now my existence here on earth is from this divine placement in the body of Christ. And he is my city. He is the maker. He is the architect of this divine body that I'm placed under. This ultimate tabernacle so that now I have something better. I wanted to read that last verse in the Passion Translation. Verse 40 in chapter 11. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had. See, they had the promise. We have the reality. They had the promise. We have the reality. They had the promise of the heavenly Jerusalem. We have the reality of the heavenly Jerusalem. Look, look how he phrased it here. To live in something better than what they had, faith's fulfillment. Faith's fullness. The fulfillment of that which we believe is the fullness of faith. To live in the fullness of faith. To live in the full divine expression of the love of God because faith works through love. We now in Christ have, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. And we know from reading the word that, that Abraham foresaw that. Abraham, God through a vision showed him that sacrifice and that resurrection that he could believe against all hope. That he knew when he took up Isaac, that regardless of the matter, God was able to raise him from the dead because he'd already seen, he'd already seen the resurrection of the son. 
And now we have the resurrection. We live in the resurrection and we have become sons of resurrection. Glory be to God. This is so that they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. In Christ is all finished perfection. Because he said, it is finished. So that now they could be brought to finished perfection alongside of us. Let's go. We've been Hebrews quite a bit today. So let's go to chapter 7 and build this case for the better life that we're called into and that we now have in Christ, the better life. It's his life that we are living out right now. And that he came by the power of this endless life. So we'll just touch quickly on that. It's Hebrews 7, 16, that Christ has come. Now he's of the order of Melchizedek. We recognize in chapter 7, he's introducing the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's of the order of Melchizedek. And so if we um, look here, let's go to 7.1 as a precursor here. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continuously. And just further down here in verse 6, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, not derived from the tribe of Levi, receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Christ is the better, and Christ always blesses the lesser. That is so powerful to me, that statement. So then we can go to 16 regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has come not according to the law of fleshly commandments. See, he didn't come after the tribe of Levi. He didn't come out of a natural descent. He didn't come of the priesthood of, of Levi, but through an oath, he was confirmed as a high priest. He came from God. Father God is his father. And he came according to the power of an endless life. Because if we go 19, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. This hope that he, we, we read in Titus of eternal life. There is now a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God because through this divine life we have become one with the Father and so now we can come boldly before Him. We actually ever are before Him in Christ. Verse 22, By so much more Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. See, the blood that was shed was his blood. The old covenant was based on the shedding of the blood of animals. But in this covenant, it's, it's based on a better blood, on a divine blood, on the blood that comes according to the power of an endless life. That through the Holy Spirit, he offered up his life to the Father. Sorry, he offered up his blood to the Father. 
that through the whole, through the eternal spirit of God, he offered up his blood to the Father because he came according to the power of an endless life. And so now he's become the surety of this better covenant, that we're partakers in his body, that we're part of because we're in his body, in the body that the covenant was cut in his flesh. We are now part of his flesh. We're flesh of his flesh and bones of his bones. And so we are now partakers of what he has with better covenant. Isn't it exciting? See, without recognizing what the Lord has done for us, we'll be wavering all the time. We'll feel not good enough all the time. And so we'll be like, for better or for worse, I'll make it through God. For better or for worse, I'll make it through God. I'll, I'll just, I've got to, was it grit my teeth and grit my teeth? When God said, smile, <laughs> release that clenched mouth. <laughs> smile, release the clenched mouth. Give him glory. Some translation of that verse, that now he's a surety, that surety is the strong 1450, it's security. He's the guarantee. He's the collateral. He's the assurance of a better covenant. How do I know I have a better covenant? How do I know I have better than what Moses had? How do I know I have better than what Jephthah had? How do I know I have better than, than, than David had? Jesus, my assurance. Oh, oh, that through this body of flesh that he gave up for us, we are now partakers of something far better. A brand new body, divine body, partakers of divine nature. And that's why he is a priest forever. Because he never dies. But he, because he continues, verse 24, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. He is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. His mind about what he has done will never change. Therefore, this is the confidence that we have because of it, because he is my assurance. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Glory be to God. So you go down to eight now, six. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Look at that. That which Moses brought down was fault was found with it. I'll show you what the fault was. We talked about it last week. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in that day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. And he says he's making a new covenant and that we'll know him because he'll teach us. In verse 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. So what was the fault of the old covenant? Because if it was faultless, there would have been no place for a new one. See, 
The fault was that the blood of goats and bulls cannot purge our conscience from unrighteousness. And so before God, we always stood in condemnation. Before God, men always knew through their, and here he writes, through the repetition of the sacrifice, through the repetition of the sacrifice, daily sacrifices, that blood poured in that tabernacle on the altar. Unceasing blood bled, which was a constant reminder of a guilty conscience. Causing it to go to the high priest and offer a sacrifice for my sin. Offer a sacrifice for my issue. And in Christ, now there is a better way. That he, through the one sacrifice of his body, died once and for all that we now be made right in his sight. If you go to Galatians, Galatians 2, Galatians 2, 16. This ties with last week's message. You really, the last week's message was a real key message. But this is landing on top of that message. Every message that we do here in Dominion Sonship, it's like a, a building block. And looking back over the many months, I can see this, this trail, this trail of God to bring us into a depth of understanding of the profoundness of the finished work, of this new creation reality that we now have in Christ. As is Paul writing to Galatians, bringing correction to them that they were saved by grace, by faith through grace, knowing that a man, so Galatians 2.16, not of their works, they were not saved of their own works, so they could not be justified of their own works then. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, by how good he performs, how is he justified? By faith in Jesus Christ, even we having believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That was the fault of the old covenant, that by the works of the law, no flesh could be justified. And so God always found fault in them. You know why? Because they always found fault in themselves. Because the law was to convict them of sin. The law was a tutor to bring them into this Christ reality. 3.10 For as many as are of the works of the law. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Pretty much an impossibility of the natural man. So under the law, you always felt accursed. Under the law, you always felt short. Under the law, and that's what sin is, you're falling short all the time. And so you have to bring Bring, bring the prescribed sacrifice, depending on where you fell short. And so, so often today, without our minds being renewed, we'll be always doing this act of sacrifice for God. Depending on how short we felt, we fell, then, okay, I went that low. Now I got to do something grand to overcome that low moment to be in my mind made perfect before God again. 
But through the renewing of the mind of this better covenant based on better promises, because why? It's based on the life given to, that we can live through him. Because no man can satisfy the laws of God. But now God has given us of his spirit. The law given now lives in us. And this law given directs our steps. Because the man that is led of the Spirit of God does not satisfy the lust of the flesh. See, of the flesh we can never be justified. Verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The ultimate freedom statement in this entire Bible is the just shall live by faith. And unfortunately, because we have taught um, at times faith as, as a one, two, three, it has become so binding that, that it becomes another work I have to do. But the just shall live by faith, what does that look like? It looks like a persuasion based on a finished work that he died once and for all and now in the sight of God because of that ultimate sacrifice of this one divine life that he came to give for me. I can live unto God a pure life. And so in the sight of God, I'm blameless and I'm faultless because in this new covenant, there's no fault. In this new covenant, there's no fault. Because in Christ, there is no fault. Although he was tempted in all areas, he did not sin. No fault was found. He was the perfect sacrifice, no blemish. No, he wasn't cockeyed. He wasn't lame. He was a pure, perfect lamb. The God slain, the very wrath of God. Because he took on unrighteousness. He took on the very nature of this flesh. He took on the entire sin nature and brought it down. Because it brought him down. But when he went down to the pit of hell and defeated that foul entity, whose nature he passed on to Adam, that's the ultimate defeat now. And when he was raised together, is when that old nature no longer has power over us. That's when he overcame that. And so we're now born of his resurrection. Through his resurrection, Romans 6 says, we are given newness of life. And so that's why there was fault found. Because the, the, the blood of goats and bulls it could not cleanse a guilty conscience. A conscience that was always mindful of having done wrong. And he talks about, you know, here in, in, in chapter 9, 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater, the better, and more perfect tabernacle, his body, not made with hands, but is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, here we go, through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. No blemish. Perfect sacrifice. And that sacrifice is cleansing our conscience from dead works 
of always wanting to please God, always falling short. But now the blood, the body that he broke for us, through his perfect tabernacle, that he offered himself without spot to God and is cleansing our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And that's why he's a mediator of this new covenant by means of death for redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promises of eternal inheritance. That is divine life. What does it look like? What, what, what does it look like to be fully aware of divine life within you? That this life that I now live, it's divine life. This life that I now live, I live because of his life in me. Amazing. 10.1 For the law having a shadow of good things to come was just a shadow, not the very image of the things. Can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, can never what? Make those who approach God perfect. Could never. Let us not take for granted what this better life is. Let us not take it for granted this precious life. It's divine life that he gave because we could not live life otherwise. Because in the old, in the, under the old covenant, every year, every year, there was that atonement, every year, every day, every month, every new season, there was a repetition of blood being poured out. And yet, it could never make anyone perfect when they approached God. Amazing. For then, would they have not ceased to be offered? Meaning, if it made him perfect, they would have stopped offering it. For the worshiper, once purified, would have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. That's what the fault was. It couldn't cleanse the worshiper's consciousness. That's big. The consciousness is this internal lead, is internal communication, is this internal either a state of peace within me that knows I'm right with God or a state of pure confusion, knowing, feeling always condemned. For it is not possible, 10-4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats takes away sin. It's not possible. Could not purify the conscience. But here comes Christ, the perfect sacrifice that he now in verse 10, he sanctified through the offering of his body. He sanctified us. By that will, the will that he came to serve God alone, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We have been made perfect once and for all. We have been made purified once and for all. We now, through this atoning sacrifice, are enabling all that came before us in the old, those heroes of faith, to be made perfect with us in Christ. Oh, my in Christ. <laughs> what about verse 12? Oh, verse 11. 
Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly. How tedious. What effort. What ah, dedication to want to be pure before God. That on a daily basis, they offered repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. There is a drive in man to want to be right with God. And that's how I opened last week's. There is a desire. And, and, and these priests knew the, ah, the preciousness and the importance of being right with God. They understood the value of it. And so daily they committed to these tasks. And yet these tasks could never purge guilty conscience. And now in Christ we are. Perfect in his sight. Because this man, verse 12, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, no more guilty conscience, no more dealing with a sin mentality. Ha, ah, I can't make it. Again, I messed up. Again, I messed up. He said he offered one sacrifice for sins forever and he sat down. He sat down. It's finished at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Who are the ones who are being sanctified? You and me. You and me. We're being sanctified. And through the sacrifice, through the one offering, one offering on Calvary. We have been perfected forever. So why do we still strive for this perfection? I want to do better. All I do is I abide in this word. And this word transforms me. It's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that is communicating to me what? Perfection. Perfection. In Hebrews, uh, the Passion Translator called it a finished perfection. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Which means fullness of pleasure towards God. The finished perfection is a fullness of faith, which is what? A fullness of pleasure towards God. <laughs> what does life look like to, to live and to just sit down and say, ah, I made it. <laughs> because of one offering. One offering. Because of one, his offering. Because of his offering. And that's why he says now in 19, Brethren, therefore, having boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Christ of Jesus, by a new and living way, he, his body, his blood is a new and living way. His offering made a brand new living way. Once and for all, now we have been given access into the Father. He is consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God forever, unchangeable priesthood he was given. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. That is the justification work that he did for us, to know I'm right with God. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. See, when we're persuaded, when we're persuaded of what I just went into this, what, 40 minutes? No wavering. It's the ultimate steadfastness of a walk before God. That's what a faith giant looks like. 
when adversity comes against you, you say, that's bread for me. You're my footstool today. Because I'm in a place of rest forever. In Christ, I've entered behind the veil. Ha <laughs> ha. Through his flesh. Because of his blood. Amazing. And so that's why if we just, we're now, what, what, what is the, the right of Hebrews moving? We're now, I, I just read from 10, 19 to 22 and, and, and uh, 23. And what comes right after Hebrews 10 is where we started, Hebrews 11. And these heroes of faith represented the mindset of the righteous. They could not, well, before I get to there, in, in verse um, 34, where he's commanding us now, the believers, the right of Hebrews, commanding the believers to, to be found strong to the end. That God will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's for us. And he's bringing to remembrance the, 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 the beginning of our walk, that we're willing to go without because we knew whom we had. And so, till end of 34, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which is what? Great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. And because in 39, we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And here comes Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith. And what this persuasion brings about is how we started. We subdue kingdoms with this persuasion. We work righteousness with this persuasion. We obtain promises. We stop the mounts of lions. We quench the violence of fire. We escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, we're made strong because it's by his might I've been made strong. We're valiant in battle. We make things be our footstools. That's why we're valiant in battle. Turn to flight. The armies of aliens and women have received their dead raised up to life. And so in Christ, we have been made perfect forever and ever and ever. I wanted to go back to um, 10, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And this is where I wanted to, to, to finish, that we have now entered into this better life. And the better life is this perfected life that we have in Christ. Amen. Glory to God. We're done. <laughs>